You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we've got J.J. Watt news, and no, it is not the news a lot of Packer fans want to hear. We're also going to talk about some NFL draft stuff coming up a little bit later. I actually want to kick off the show in a different place. I want to kick off the show just by shouting out what Aaron Rodgers did, donating a million dollars to small businesses in Chico and in, in communities that he cares about. We talk a lot about, and the headlines are often about the bad stuff that athletes do. That's when we, you know, we hear about the stuff they do off the field. So rarely do we take the time to praise and point out, hey, isn't this a really cool thing that they're doing off the field? Um, whether it's charity work um, or or helping the communities that they serve. And Aaron Rodgers did that and and did it in a big way, not just lip service, not just, oh, I'm going to do I'm going to go to the Boys and Girls Club for the photo op. Oh, I'm going to post the, the Instagram thing. No, real financial resources to people who need them right now. And I just think it's a great thing worth highlighting. And it's been something that he has cared about over his career helping his own community. He's raised money in the past, um, you know, for wildfire relief and and all kinds of things. And now we're talking about, you know, COVID relief and and everything related to what the pandemic brings. So I wanted to to shout that out and and start the show on a positive note, because that is a great thing that that he is doing. And there are there's a lot of work that we don't see behind the scenes because it's not a million dollars. You know, there are athletes, NFL players, Packers, who are giving much smaller amounts, but that are still materially impacting the lives of their community. And they don't make headlines. They don't, they don't get, you know, Twitter alerts and and they don't make the BR app or or ESPN or whatever. So when when they do, I, I think we have to highlight them and say, hey, look, this is great work. And a lot of people are helped by it. Speaking of someone who has done a lot for his communities, JJ Watt has been that guy in Houston. He is no longer that guy in Houston. He is, in fact, going to the Arizona Cardinals. He announced on Monday. And there are a lot of things that we're going to have to get to on this, a lot of layers to this story. The first thing is the money. And he gets a two-year, $31 million deal with $23 million in guarantees. Um, there's been some reporting that the, the Browns actually offered more that he wanted to go play with Vance Joseph in Arizona, uh, wanted to go reunite with DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm sure the weather didn't hurt when it comes to, uh, you know, his body. And, you know, he's a, he's a player who, at least in football terms, is getting up there in age. So this, from a Packers standpoint, the money was just never going to be on the table for them. 
I mean, this is it's too much before even knowing that this was going to be the number. When we talked on this show a couple different times, including yesterday, hey, is this the right thing? Is this the right thing to spend the money on? And I said, would you rather have Will Fuller and a starting corner or J.J. Watt? A lot of you said the receiver. And maybe Will Fuller's not your guy. Maybe it's Corey Davis. Maybe it's Curtis Samuel. Last week, we talked about Richard Sherman. Would you rather have Richard Sherman or J.J. Watt? Well, it turns out it's probably going to cost a lot less to get you Richard Sherman than it ended up costing the Cardinals to get Watt. Tom Silverstein said, look, the Packers made their calls. They were understanding of what the numbers were, of what the money was. It was just really probably never going to make sense for them unless that price tag came down. And it sounds like it didn't. And the reason we know that was he signed for a huge number. <laughs> so, you know, that's going to that's going to lead us to questions. Should the Packers have done this deal? Should the Packers have been willing to allocate their resources this way for J.J. Watt? I was a little surprised at the fan reaction on Twitter, which was basically unanimous. I mean, I didn't see, at least in my feed, you know, and I have on my tweet deck, I've got, you know, a group of of Packers, media, bloggers, prominent fans, people that I interact with a lot. And I have my mentions. I get a lot of of mentions from you guys asking questions and and offering your own insight and all that stuff. I don't think I saw one fan going, well, here we go again. Just another time when Green Bay not willing to open the wallet. No, basically everyone said, that's way too much. I was not willing to pay that. Now, you know, J.J. could go to Arizona and be an all-pro and be worth that money. But 15-plus million, I mean, that's that's like Zadarius Smith money. I mean, that's frontline superstar pass rusher money almost. So is that really what J.J. Watt is at this point in his career? And again, this isn't, a, this isn't Monday morning quarterbacking on this. We were, we've been talking about this on the show for, you know, a week and a half now. Hey, are we sure this is the right way to allocate these resources? I was thinking the number, you know, if the number is 8, 10, maybe 12, 15 and 23 million guaranteed. If you're the Packers, you're looking at that going, what can we do with $15 million? If we can clear 15 and a half million to, to sign J.J. Watt, what else could we be getting? And the answer is a lot. I mean, you might be able to sign Curtis Samuel and Will Fuller for that if you wanted to. Now, the Packers don't, but I'm just saying that could be the money. You could sign a receiver. You could sign Corey Davis and Richard Sherman maybe for that money. I mean, two legitimate impact players. Could you sign an offensive lineman? And a corner. Could you sign multiple? I mean, we could be talking about multiple impactful players to fill these voids instead of all of the money allocated to what? I'm not defending the front office. At least not retroactively. 
I was the one going, are we sure that, that the money is, is being used wisely here? Are we sure about that? And, and, and not even to, you know, concern troll. I, I, I had advocated for JJ Watt. JJ Watt would have made this team better. No question about it. And I, I do think there's a case to say, look, screw the cost. This is the all-in move. You add J.J. Watt, and if he can be healthy and play 16 games, you're a Super Bowl team. So damn the cost. But that's not that's not really how this works because what is the opportunity cost? Well, they could get all these other players for that amount of money. Now, do they have to actually sign those players to make that opportunity cost worth it? Because if you let JJ walk for you know for fifteen when that could have been he probably he probably does it for maybe a little less, but you know not a lot. If you could have had him for fifteen, that's one thing. If you were actually willing to pay that, but you weren't, how much are you willing to spend? How much are you going to clear? Because that's a number we don't know right now, and maybe we'll never know. It doesn't have to be the case to me. That this is true opportunity cost in that, oh, if they don't sign, if they don't use that 15 million that they didn't use to sign JJ Watt, that it's proof that this was a bad call. You know, last year, Green Bay didn't make any splashy free agent signings. They signed Rick Wagner, Christian Kirksey, and Devin Funches. Funches opts out. Kirksey gets hurt, pretty predictable. He's always hurt. And Rick Wagner turns out to be a very important, useful piece for this team. And there was a lot of Wailing and gnashing of teeth over that. They didn't go all in. Well, they got better. The team was better. The team got better. So the Packers were thinking, hey, if we just take a couple of these guys, marginal upgrades here or there, that's the best use of our resources. And it turned out it worked. It worked out. Could that be what they do this offseason? Hey, just a couple here or there. You know, you sign a veteran running back just to backfill what you're losing, a cheaper version of, of Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. And, you know, you sign a, a stopgap veteran corner, you draft a corner, and then you go. And that's all you do. And maybe you sign some sort of swing tackle. Maybe you bring Rick Wagner back at a lower number. And, you know, that's that's all you do in free agency. And you go in and you try and nail the draft and feel like this team is close enough to go compete in the NFC in 2021. And by the way, they are. I mean, I said this last offseason. They could do nothing. They could do nothing in free agency in the draft and be a playoff team, a Super Bowl caliber team again in 2020. And guess what? They did a little more than nothing, but not that much more than nothing. And they were a Super Bowl caliber team in 2020. Now, it's a little different this year because of all the pieces that they're losing, but they have guys. They lose Corey Lindsley. You've got Elton Jenkins and Lucas Patrick, one of whom can take that spot. Maybe it's John Runyon Jr. even. You're you're probably going to lose two running backs. You've got A.J. Dillon. Now, they don't have a solution for Kevin King, but they've been trying to find a solution at cornerback for years. They're going to allocate resources to that. They're going to sign someone. They're going to draft someone, maybe draft multiple people. Beyond that, the core of this team is intact. The identity of this team is intact. And they're going to come back next year and be a favorite 
a favorite, not just a team that can be in the playoffs. They are going to be a favorite. Now, do I think they're going to sign some people? Yeah, I think they're going to do a little bit here and a little bit there. But I don't think they have to use 15 or even 10 million for for them to be able to justify saying, we actually think that those resources could be better spent elsewhere, even if they're just theoretical. I think you can justify saying, hey, look, 15 million, now we can't do it. There's there's too much movement we'd have to do. And if we did do all that movement, we would probably decide that our money is better spent elsewhere. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sports action you care about. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. They even do award shows like the Golden Globes on Sunday. Bet Online has you covered with everything you could be looking for in a website that allows you to wager on sports. And right now, when you use the promo code LOCKDOWN, they will give you a 50% deposit bonus on that first deposit. You put money down, they will match it up to 50% just for using the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So yesterday, we were talking about corners and all these guys that could potentially be there and... You know, I went through my mock draft Monday and I had them taking multiple guys. So I mentioned that as I go around at these different websites and, and try and figure out what's going on and who's going where, I put together a list. I have nine corners going in the first round on someone's mock draft or big board. Caleb Fairley, Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, Tyson Campbell, Greg Newsom II, Eric Stokes, Kelvin Joseph, Aaron Robinson, and Asante Samuel Jr. Okay, so this is, as I was going over that, it struck me as very similar to what happened last year at receiver. We were looking at the board going, there's just too many guys who are really good players for there not to be someone at that spot worth taking when the Packers are on the clock. And it turned out to be the case that there were players worth taking when the Packers were on the clock at receiver. Michael Pittman Jr. absolutely was worthy of Green Bay's first-round pick, whether they traded up or not. Now, I think you could argue LaVisca Chenault, the injury questions and and a lot of that stuff. I would not have been thrilled about it. But look, there were a lot of people who felt like he was right there. And, you know, there there was these other guys that that maybe, you know, you could make your case for KJ Hamler, Denzel Mims, Chase Claypool. They could have been had at the back end of that first round. Green Bay made another decision. They went with Jordan Love. They loved Jordan Love. So when you're looking at the shape of this draft, if one of these guys or two of these guys are going to be there, and I do think there is a fall off after that, um, you know, in all likelihood, if the Packers don't take someone in the first round, these guys are all going to be gone by the time they, they get their second round pick. And I think that was true at receiver last year as well. There is this top group. And everyone that they really, really liked ends up being gone by the time that they pick. And and that was true. Um, and, and it ended up playing out that way. 
So if they thought that going in, it did end up playing out that way. There is uh, a cutoff. And I felt like there was a, a pretty big talent cutoff, you know, right in the in the 50s range last year. And of course, Green Bay, you know, they have an early 60s pick. And so that's suboptimal. The same situation in most drafts. There is a, a talent cutoff after that that top 50. Top 100, same thing. If they want one of these top corners, it's got to be in the first. That doesn't mean that they're going to take one. But one of them is going to be there. Maybe multiple, probably multiple. Just, just from a, a sheer numbers standpoint, I mean, if there are going to be five quarterbacks who go, you're going to have a handful of receivers go, probably four or five receivers go. You're going to have you know multiple offensive linemen go. Some defensive linemen, whether it's Ed Rushers, you know, Greg Rousseau from Miami, um, you know, the kid from Michigan, Jalen Phillips also from Miami, Jason Owe from Penn State. And there's a, there's a bunch of guys there. Who knows what's going to happen? Is, there, is Travis Etienne going to go? Najee Harris from Alabama? How many receivers are going to go? You know, we're pretty sure there's going to be at least three with Chase Smith and Waddle. Is Kadarius Toney going to get in that mix? Rashad Bateman, Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore. Could those guys get in the mix? Kyle Pitts. I mean, the numbers are adding up all of a sudden. So how many corners can even realistically go? This is part of the discussion we had a couple weeks ago. And I said, you know, tell me who cornerback four is. Tyson Campbell? His teammate, Eric Stokes? Is it Greg Newsom? Is it Kelvin Joseph? Is it Asante Samuel? Asante Samuel, by the way, is friend of the show, Chris Chapasso's cornerback two in this draft. Cornerback two. Same guy that had Jair Alexander as cornerback one in his class. In fact, had Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson one, two in that draft class. That doesn't mean that Green Bay will take one. It just means they are very likely to have the option. Now, what they think of those guys is going to vary. They liked some of those receivers that they passed on at the end of the first round. We know that. Brian Gutekinds told Peter King that. They just like Jordan Love more. And they tried to trade up. They tried to trade up. Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool, LaVisca Chenault. All three of those guys would have made this team better. Maybe a similar situation plays out this year. Someone falls, someone they really like, an offensive lineman, an edge rusher, a receiver, who knows, a safety, and they just can't pass. They love this dude. They can't pass on him, and they think they can get a corner later, or let's say they've signed someone. Knowing that you're going to be in position to take a good corner is a great place to be. It does, just doesn't guarantee that they're actually going to do it. I think it makes the most sense. I do think they're going to fall in love with some of these guys. There's a lot of talent in this class. There's a lot of size in this class. There's a lot of playmaking in this class. And this group, I mean, it's not going to get it's not going to get discussed the way that the receiver group did last last year. Because their their ability to be productive is not as obvious. I think some of the nuances of the position are harder to grasp for the average person, myself included. It's it's much easier to see a receiver go do the thing and go, oh yeah, that guy rocks, than it is with a corner at times. We we tend to have better understanding of route running, of route concepts, 
and of just what it takes to be a kick-ass receiver. Defense tends to be a little bit more um, esoteric to the average football fan, and and even someone who studies the game like I do. I mean, I'm I'm still trying to learn coverages and and cornerback techniques. That's why I love talking to guys like Eric Crocker, who's been on this show about corner and and defensive back play, and trying to figure out okay, what am I looking at here? What are the things that matter? He, by the way, also loves Asante Samuel Jr. I think he's going to end up being the sort of hipster pick. And if he's the if he's the pick for Green Bay, I think a lot of Packer fans are going to be really happy. Green Bay is is in a good position at corner in terms of finding someone in the draft, and it is the smart play to do it early. I think too that they are in the kind of position with their roster that when they have a, a decision to make, that they could say, "Okay, um, this is the thing that we have to get." And then everything else after that is is just going to be gravy. Or to say, hey, we'll take best player available and maybe trade up. Maybe give up some assets to go back up and get the cornerback that we want. Brian Gutekinds has traded up in every draft that he's been in. In fact, in every first round, he's traded up. J.C. Horn starts to fall, maybe. Maybe they love Tyson Campbell. They could move up for that guy. And I think those are the kinds of, you know, we we didn't think of the Jair Alexander move as an all-in move because they traded down first, but then they traded back up. They traded up for Darnell Savage. And whether you like the pick or not, they traded up for Jordan Love. They're willing to be aggressive to, to get the guys that they love. They were right about Jair. They were right about Darnell Savage. We'll see if they're right about Jordan Love. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure these pointless conversations that might be intimidating with someone while they go and look up whatever things they have in stock in their warehouse at whatever price they feel like charging you. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, not just the ones in that dude's warehouse. And prices are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Part of this draft discussion, um, I think is, you know, I was, I was trying to think of fan reaction. And I didn't think about this last last draft. And, and certainly I think quarterback topped the list of, of picks that would have made the fan base freak out. I think, you know, I get a lot of messages, you know, Locked On Packers fan hotline. By the way, shout out Ruben from Minnesota who sent me a really nice message. Um, just sort of thanking me for for the work that I was doing. Um, I appreciate that, buddy. Um, the responses that, that I get from people about what they think this team should focus on in the offseason, they're varied. They're varied. And I don't think that's reflective of, you know, some slew of holes that this team has. I think it is reflective more of the the quality of this roster. That what we're talking about is 
you know, marginal upgrades at some positions or depth at some positions or planning from the for the planning for the future at some positions. I do think that the only position that Green Bay could take in the first round where the majority of the fan base, where the sort of, you know, popular consensus response would be animus. I think it's quarterback. It's the only spot. If they took a running back, there would certainly be the analytically inclined portion of the fan base. I would be one of those people going, what are they doing? What are they doing? It just doesn't make sense. But guess what? Travis Etienne is a killer running back. Najee Harris is a killer running back. And a lot of Packer fans would be really excited if you lose Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and you bring in ETN and you pair him with A.J. Dillon, that, that backfield is fun. Now, is it the best use of resources? No. No. What do what I think from a value standpoint, it made sense? No. But there would certainly be plenty of fans on board. You wanna you wanna help out your quarterback, give him a run game. I think any offensive line position, Packer fans are going, yep. Yep, I hear all the time. Well, we we got to protect Rodgers. We got to protect Rodgers. Even though this was the best pass blocking offensive line in football last year. Center, guard, tackle. It seems like fans are on board. If you want to pick one high, go ahead, Green Bay. That's what they're saying. We know corner would, would have a high approval rating. We know receiver would have a high approval rating. There isn't a tight end other than Kyle Pitts who's worthy of first-round selection. So unless they just go off the board and do something like draft Tommy Tremble in the first round, which would just be wild, I, I don't think that would freak anyone out. Now, maybe pass rusher, maybe edge. Because, okay, they just did the Rashawn Gary thing and they just paid the Smiths and what's the deal? You know, I'd be fine with it. Pass rush is too important. It's too important. And Zadarius Smith, you know, the cap number in 2021 and 2022, huge. I I would really like to see them try and smooth some of that out if they can. I don't think that would freak anyone out. Pass rush is really important. We just saw what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to do with a killer pass rush. And, you know, linebacker. Packer fans have been clamoring for a linebacker for years. Defensive line, you know, Christian Barmore, someone like that. There are plenty of fans out there who would be going, hell yeah. Hell yeah, they can finally stop the run. Would I love it? No, not at all. But there's, I think the consensus would be, yeah, they did the right thing. They invested in the trenches. This is where you win the game. So really, I think they're in a really good position because they're not looking at starting spots, especially because they're probably going to sign someone to play corner. They're going to go into the drafts going, we just, we just got to get good players. Just get some good players. And they really can take that best player available approach. Because they don't have a lot of spots open. They don't. And that's a really good position for any franchise to be in. We're going to be back tomorrow um, working to get an NFL draft expert on the show. Talk a little draft. Do the thing. Have a little bit of fun. And uh, if you want to um, follow me on Twitter, you can do that. 
Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.